Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. An attempted kidnapping turns really weird really quick. And then we take a look at the story of Sam, a clown who was in town for just one day. But where he came from was far away from any big top on earth. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. It's Root Canal Day. I'm recording this episode pretty early because I have to run to the dentist. But anyways, you can tell how excited I am about that. Let's go ahead and move on to a happier topic, and that is our Patreon, our newest Patreon supporters. We have Dalton Ogden. We have Carson Wright, a good friend of mine, actually. I know him in real life. It's weird when when somebody you know is like, here's $5 a month. When before, if I'd been like, hey, Carson, can I borrow five bucks? I want to go buy some gum. He'd be like, get a job, hippie. But now he can pay me $5 a month for doing the show. Actually, no, he's a really good guy. He, he would have given me some gum. And I'm going to apologize right now because I, this is one of the names I have a really hard time pronouncing. One of the names. There's so many names I have a hard time pronouncing. I'm going to say it very slowly here. Jeremy... Jeremy Davis. I had a friend named... It's Jeremy, right? I had a friend for years. I kept calling him... <laughs> really good guy. I really miss him. I haven't seen him in years, but I I, I thought it was pronounced Jeremy. <laughs> I thought that's how you said it, it was Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy. And I, I'm 25 at this point. I wasn't seven. And finally, he pulls me aside one day and he goes, dude, that's not how you pronounce, that's not how you pronounce my name. That's how people used to make fun of me in school. I was like, "What? I thought that's how you said. I thought you. I, I thought your name was Jeremy." And he's like, "Shh, quit saying it. You've been saying it all this time. My name's not Jeremy. It's Jeremy." But then I've met people who said, "Oh no, no, my name's Jeremy." So I don't even know anymore. But either way, Jeremy Davis, thank you so much for the support of the show. Same thing with you, Dalton Ogden and Carson Wright. Sorry, Dalton, I don't have a funny story about your name. It's a very cool name, though. It reminds me of Timothy Dalton, because I'm an old man, and I know who Timothy Dalton is. Let's go ahead and get started with the story here. So, the first story, I woke up, and I read this story. Now, a lot of times, I'm doing a lot of research, and I'm kind of building this stuff up, but every so often, a story pops up, and I'm like, this is it. This this is what I, I need to talk about this story today. So weird. And it actually just happened on Friday. So we're going to go ahead. Let's hop in the Jason Jalopy. We're going to drive to Cleveland, Ohio. We're going way back in time to August 16th, 2019. Driving by in the Jason Jalopy. And we stop at a street corner and we see a 12-year-old girl sitting down waiting for the bus. We're just kind of sitting there eating our gum that Carson got us. And we see a car pull up. And a dude starts talking to the girl. So now we're like, oh, great, it's going to be one of those type of stories, right? He's talking to the girl, and the, and he's basically like, hey, what are you doing? And she's like, uh, well, I'm waiting for a, a school bus. I am a school-aged child, after all. I'm 12 years old. And he's like, well, you know, I could drive you to school. And she's like, no, I'm good. 
And he's like, can I ask you a couple questions? Like, he wanted to talk with her at this point. She's like, no. But she kept shutting him down. When the police were talking about this, the police said she was very insistent she did not want to talk to this guy. But he keeps on like, hey, you know, like, so what do you think? It's Fortnite season 10. And she's like, dude, just leave. I don't want to talk to you. He ends up driving away. So we're like, whoo, that was close. And a couple minutes later, the car pulls back up. And the guy gets out of the car. And gets his cell phone and begins videotaping what's going to happen. I guess the terms are recording. It's not videotaping if you're using an iPhone. But again, old man. He begins recording what he's going to do. So he gets out of his car. He starts walking towards her. And he's recording her. And then he, <clears throat> he begins to pee on her. Just pee right on her. Now, here's the thing. No matter how bad your day is, that didn't happen to you. And trust me, you can have a really you can have a really bad day, horrible car accident, loss of a loved one, or you just stubbed your toe. It doesn't have to be super dramatic. It doesn't have to be horrible, life changing things. But okay, let's just go with the lighthearted one. You stub your toe, and you're like, "Oh my god, I stubbed my toe." But if you stubbed your toe, and then you turn around, and there's a dude peeing on you, total, total. I'm having a root canal today. As long as the dentist doesn't pee in my mouth, I'm good. I'm good. He begins peeing on her in broad daylight middle of the day and it's funny because we have the quotes of what she was saying like that original conversation how she was responding to this guy this weirdo trying to get her in his car and it was very like girl at the club like when you go to a bar or something like that and you try picking up a random girl and she's not interested they just are very just like stone-faced they usually don't string you along i'm like hey <laughs> that's pretty much all right like hey and they're like no I'm like, okay. Hey, I don't buy drinks, but if I'm like, hey, how you doing? They'll be like, no. I'm like, okay. And turn and walk away. Like, a lot. And that's what this girl was, which is unfortunate because I, not that was unfortunate she was shutting this guy down. It makes me think she's used to this kind of interaction with adults where she's just got into that club girl mode where she's like, nope. Just very, very brusque. She wasn't even trying to pretend to be polite. So I think she's had encounters with men like this before, but as he's and again, non non. If someone was peeing on me, I I'm, I'm I don't I think I've never been peed on in my life. I don't know how I would react. I don't think I would enjoy it. That would be a turn of events. I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun. I think I would just see red, and then there would be red everywhere. Like I can't imagine my reaction if a stranger pissed on me. Her reaction was, "What's your problem?" Like. I'm assuming she tried moving out of the way during this whole thing. But again, very non-plussed about the whole thing. She's like, what's your problem? Well, your problem right now is that somebody is peeing on you. It's such a normal reaction. It'd be the same thing if someone spilled coffee on you. You're like, what's wrong with you? But instead of coffee, it's coming out of someone's genitals. And so he runs away. I think he, she did not give him the reaction that he wanted. She didn't freak out or run away or start crying or anything like that. She basically stared up into that stream and basically said, what's your problem? Like, again, putting it back on him. He didn't have any power in the situation. He runs away. A couple hours later, he's spotted looking through some cars in the area, acting weird. So someone calls the cops. Now, the cops have a description from the girl. The cops have a description from the person who saw him wandering the neighborhood. And the cops know who this guy is. He's a cop. He was a cop. His name is Solomon Haiwatiwa. 34 years old. He'd been a, he'd been a cop for five years. 
And it was funny in the article, they're like, he's also been cited for losing his walkie-talkie. And I'm like, I get you need to pad out your article, but I don't think that's relevant to peeing on a 12-year-old girl. And he's facing a ton of charges. So, bravo to that girl. Bravo to that girl. He he did not get what he wanted from her. I think he initially wanted to kidnap her and do whatever horrible things. And then when she shut him down, he wanted to have some sort of power over her. And even in that moment when she's being peed on, she's basically just like, you're a little, little man. I'm not reacting to this in any way, shape, or form as you would want me to. Again, I don't think she sat there like Buddha. I don't think she sat there in a monk pose as it's raining down on her. But she definitely did not give him the power and the panic that he wanted. So, good on you, 12-year-old girl. I always love stories where people get get their comeuppance in a very, very easy way. But let's go ahead and move on to our next story now. Now, our next story, we're going to England. Jolly old England. And luckily, the Jason Jalopy doubles as a chitty-chitty bing-bing car. So, we're driving it, and then it starts to slowly go up into the sky. Starts flying through the sky. Magical wings pop out of it. Like, old wings. Remember that movie, uh, Return to Oz, with the... That movie was a bizarre... It wasn't just a bizarre movie, but it was weird, like, uh, effect on my childhood. One, like, I was maybe, like eight or six or something like that when the movie came out it made me super attracted to goth girls because Faraza Faruza Balk is in it I think I've developed a stutter doing this show uh Faruza Balk is in it and she's a little goth girl and may not want to tell that story so close to the abduction story but I was age appropriate when I had to thank for her and now I just like goth girls in general there's not many goth adults or when they're usually just called heroin users but the reason why I'm getting at that was that the whole movie totally tripped me out. But I remember that scene where they took a couch and a. if you've never seen the movie, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I recommend it. Return to us. You take a couch and you put a moose head on one end of it and put some feathers in the side of it. And then they threw some juice on it and it came to life and they flew away. That is what, I, what I'm trying to say is that is the the aerodynamic ability of the Jason Jalopy. It took way too long to build that visual. But I'll I'll save it. Dead Rabbit recommends Return to Oz. Okay, so it's totally scary movie. Dorothy gets electroshock treatment at the beginning of the movie. That's how dark that movie is. But anyways, uh, where was it going? Oh yeah, yeah, we're flying the Jason Jalopy. But we do land in England. And we land in the year 1973. It's May. It's a beautiful May afternoon. And two little friends, they're both seven years old, are out on a magical adventure, walking around a golf course. Specifically, we're at Lake Common, which is in Sandown, which is on the Isle of Wight. And on that location, at Lake uh, Common, there's the Shanklin and Sandown Golf Club. Now, we got these two little kids. Now, we don't have names, so we're going to call them... We're going to... You know what, dude? We are going to call them Dalton and Jeremy. They were Patreon subscribers this episode. <laughs> Sorry, Carson. Sorry, Carson. Um, you're you're a ghost floating around, but I don't mention you again. So Jeremy is the girl. This is going real off the rails. Anyways, Jeremy and Dalton, you can assign which gender you want to be. There's a boy and a girl walking through this golf club. Yeah, walking through this golf club. Now, again, we don't know their real names. We don't know. So. 
we don't know their real names. Okay, so I'll just refer to them as boy and girl. I think that'll be far easier than calling. Okay, anyways, boy and girl are walking through the golf club. Golf course. <laughs> golf course. They're walking through the golf course, okay? And the golf course butts up against an old, semi-abandoned airfield, which is ridiculous because you either want to land your plane at a functional airfield or not at all. Like, I can understand if it was an emergency airfield, but it was described as a oft-abandoned airfield, which, again, there's just, like, bales of hay in the middle of it. Planes are crashing. So, anyways... Let's get this back on the back on track. They are at the <laughs> golf course against the airport. Now, they're walking across this foot. They're just having fun. Just two little kids having fun walking around. Jeremy and Dalton on an adventure. So they're crossing this wooden footbridge, right? And it it's over this creek. And they're like, dun, 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 walking through. And they're walking through. And then they hear a... It's this really weird siren. And they said it sounded like a distorted ambulance siren. It sounded more like a cat. Now they're looking around. They're like, can we pet it? But they can't figure out what the sound is. But it does kind of stop them in their tracks. And they're sitting there. And they're standing on the footbridge. And then, from underneath the footbridge, they see a blue-gloved hand reach out of the darkness. And begin beckoning them towards the hand. These two kids are like, what? Are we seeing this correctly? Because not only are they seeing a blue-gloved hand kind of saying, come here, come here. The hand seems to have a wooden slat that pops out of a sleeve going into the glove of the hand. And the hand only has three fingers. But it's still kind of beckoning them closer. And they just stand there motionless. And then the owner of the hand appears. They see a near seven foot tall person step out from underneath the bridge. Long, lanky limbs. A perfectly round head that's too large for its skinny frame. And then the descriptions get really weird. They see its face. It has... A hat, like a pointed hat with a little ball on top. That's not the face. That's the hat. But I'm describing that first. Now we're going down to the face. The face looked like someone was wearing a mask. It had triangle eyes, a little brown nose, and a mouth. But you could see into those darkness. So it wasn't just like it was necessarily having makeup. It wasn't just like someone had makeup on. It was like someone had put on a helmet that was that had these markings on it, and you couldn't see through it. But underneath the hat, they could see hair. So hair was coming out of this supposed mask. Imagine someone putting on a scuba diver mask, because the head's completely round. So it wasn't just covering the face. Imagine someone putting on a scuba diving mask, so it's completely round over their head. But then there's hair coming out of the top, the scuba diving helmet. The hair is actually part of the scuba diving helmet. It has this little hat on. You just see a little bit of hair sticking out here and there. It's like a reddish hair. And it had like little circles for cheeks, you know. It was basically like if someone drew, if a kid drew a picture of a clown, that's what this dude's face looked like. And it had wooden antennas sticking out of both sides of the head. So you had the cap on and then the wooden antennas sticking out of it. 
And its feet also had three toes. Like, well, the hands didn't have three toes. It had three digits, and they could see a piece of wood coming out of each leg going towards the ground. So it almost like it had stilts in its sleeves and its legs. Now you're thinking, okay, so this guy's supposedly close to seven feet tall. It's probably a normal-sized human wearing some sort of stilts and something to make its arms look longer. We're going to get into some of the theories of what this thing is in a bit. But whatever it was, this clown, how it's often described, this clown looks up at the kids. The kids are looking down at the clown. And then the clown, in quite a clownish fashion, drops his book. He was he had some sort of book in his hands. Drops it into the water. And then begins fumbling around for it. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Oh, no, my book, my books. I mean, just in a ridiculous fashion, the kids are like, "This is the, if this is an alien encounter, we've encountered one of the lame ones. The clown's fishing around for the book, finally gets it out, and then turns and begins moving from the kids. Now, this is something we've talked about in a previous episode. It was the one about the UFO encounter in Finland where the lumberjack chased the alien with a chainsaw. Just like that story, this clown, as it moved, it was taking these long, slow leaps like an astronaut does on the moon. So some sort of gravitational difference between where it's used to going and where we are here now on Earth. And it eventually just kind of bounces away and go, and the kids are following it at this point because they're idiots and they want to know what this thing is, and it disappears. They can't find it. And they're like, well, that's enough for that adventure, I guess, is what they both say, because they've just lost track of them. And then they hear the siren sound again, but much, much louder, to the point that it freaks the boy out, and he takes off. And the girl is scared, too, and she starts to move away. But then she sees the clown show back up, pop up from behind some bushes, and he's holding a microphone attached to a speaker. So like a little portable karaoke machine. And he puts the microphone to his mouth and he goes, Are you still here? And she said it sounded like someone was talking through a mask. Like she could understand what it was saying, but it sounded like its voice was... It sounded like someone talking through a Halloween mask. And so she pauses when she hears that. And the clown looks at her. The (laughs) boy totally kicked bricks out of here. But he's watching it from a distance. So the clown slowly lumbers up to the little girl, has his book still, he opens it up, and he writes in the book, and he shows it to her. And in the pages, what he had written was, Hello, and I am all colors, Sam. So at this point, the boy's like, Well, my, my, my friend's not getting devoured by this creature, not getting pissed on either. So he comes back, and now they're both standing next to this clown, and they begin asking him questions. The first question, the most obvious question the little girl asks is, are you human? And Sam goes, no. Two kids look at each other, they're like, "Uh uh-oh, this is getting really weird really quick. Next question the girl asks is, the best follow-up question really is, second best maybe, are you a ghost? Now, it's funny because I think think when people hear this story, when I hear this story, I immediately assumed alien. But to a seven-year-old kid in 1973, that may not be the first question you ask. I think ghosts would be something more that little kids would be knowledgeable about. Like, if you're not human and you're weird, you must be a ghost. Anyway, she goes, are you a ghost? And he answered, well, not really. But I am in an odd sort of way. And then she goes, the most general question you can ask, what are you then? And Sam looks down at the girl and says, You know. 
Sam tells the kid, those are all exact quotes from, those are the exact question and answer. Sam goes on to tell the kids that there are more like him on Earth. And that he's afraid of humans. He's afraid that they are going to hurt him. But, no matter what happens, he will never hurt a human. Kids are like, mm, heard that one before. Do you not believe you? No, the kids actually do believe him. They're like, oh, yay, Mr. Sam says he's not going to hurt us. Then Sam goes, do you want to, do you want to see where I live? I, you know, I didn't plan it this way. Both of these stories involve children and uh, adults and or tall people. I didn't even plan it. The, the peen story just popped up this morning, but Sam goes, you want to go see my house? Now these kids go, yes, let us go see your house, Sam. So he takes them off to where there's this part of this field and there is a shed. It's described as like a shed or a um, hut type of thing. But basically, it is a two-story domicile. And the opening is like a flap. So they all go into this house. And it's described as having the two stories. And they can see both of them. So I think there's a loft. But they said on the bottom floor, there's a bunch of like rough-made wooden furniture. Like a wall that had some dials on it and a heater. Like a portable heater. So basically a, a hobo's hovel. A drifter's domain. This is not a, this is not a high-tech spaceship. And when I'm reading the story, and when you're listening to the story, you're probably like, oh, great. Where is this story going? Is it a weirdo in a mask? Is it an alien? Is it a ghost? We will continue. So they all go into his house. And he says, oh, it's so funny because he realizes that this was in the story. that He realizes the kids are not impressed by his house. So he said, oh, this is just a temporary house. I have a way bigger one. Super nice house in England that I spend all my time in. This is just a temporary house. And the kids are like, uh-huh. Heard that one before, too. He could tell they weren't impressed by the house, so he tried telling them he had a nicer house. He also told them he has a girlfriend in Canada that they'll never meet. But the kids basically are still peppering him with questions and he says well you know i drink water which i was weird that this didn't even come up in conversation when's the last time you were talking to someone they're like hey did you see the game last night and you're like i drink water but he tells them i drink water but i have to cleanse it first i have to do this like processing for it and the kids are like okay and he goes i also eat berries that's why i was down there i was picking berries and the kids are like now it's weird because his mouth has not been moving this whole time like it looks like he's wearing a mask you know what? I'm going to eat a berry right now. Now, what do you think the next course of action is going to be? This is where you're like, this is where I was thinking, okay, there's two ways you can eat a berry. You can eat a berry in a way that exposes you as a hobo drifter, or you can do what's coming up. He then takes a berry. He's like, oh, look, a delicious berry. And he sticks it in his ear, okay? He sticks it in his ear. And then he leans forward really quickly, and then he's standing back up, and the berry is visible in the eyeball. So he has that triangle hole for both eyes, two triangle holes. And you can see the berry. They saw the berry kind of bouncing around in there. He leans forward again really quickly. He stands up, and now the berry they can see in the mouth gap. And then it disappears like he ate it. And at that point, I, I there's many points in the story where I would have ran away. But at that point, I would have been like, okay, it's definitely not hobo. Hobos can't do that. Now, it could have been some sort of sleight of hand, some sort of magic. But they continue to talk to him. They are there for a half hour talking about stuff. And we don't have many details. What we've been told is that the kids continued to pepper him with questions. And he just gave off fairly vague answers. But after a half hour, the kids leave. And Sam's like... Bye. And the kids take off. First thing the kids do, they see the groundskeeper at the golf course. 
They tell him we saw a ghost. We saw a ghost. And the golf, the groundskeeper is like, you guys are idiots. There's no ghost. So it sends them on their way. They end up going home and telling their parents. And it's funny because the dad's basically reading the newspaper. His daughter comes in. He's like, daddy, daddy, guess what? I had a ghost. I had an encounter with a ghost today. And we went to his house. And we hung out there for a half hour. And he has really bad furniture and a mechanical heater. That was kind of weird. Why would a ghost need a heater? But he ate berries. He ate berries in his ear. And the dad was like, uh, totally was just like, my kid has an overactive imagination. I'll pick up that prescription tomorrow. The shrink was telling me about. But as she kept telling the story, and he was also hearing the story from her friend, he realized the details were always the same. So he goes, I'm going to go check this place out, because my kid might be making up this story, and then I have to go pick up that prescription. Or some creepo might have had my daughter and her friend in a shack in the middle of nowhere telling them he was a ghost. So he goes out to where the shack was. It's gone. And they say that the soil wasn't disturbed. Like, there was never a shack there, and the people who worked in that area said there was never a shack there. Dun, dun, dun. Now, that's the only sighting of Sam the Sand Down Clown, is what it's known as. So, you know, I looked more into this, and I said it's a little... It's a little clickbaity. A little... It's an interesting story, but I needed to see how true it was. Apparently, this story first appeared in the 1978 edition of the British UFO Research Association's Journal. 1978 copy of that. I wasn't able to verify that. They did list, like, names of the authors and people who investigated it, and one of the people who investigated it is the founder of the British UFO Research Association. So, as easy details to make up. The story took place in 1973. It was reported in 1978, supposedly, in this journal. The very earliest internet reference to this story was in 2018. January 2018 was the earliest reference I could find of this story. So that's a little suspicious. I'm thinking maybe someone made it up because of all the clown sightings and stuff like that. But let's look back at this quote. Hello, and I am all colors, Sam. He also said through the story that later on the story, he said his name really wasn't Sam, but like that's how he identified himself or some sort of weirdness. But Anyways, hello, and I am all colors, Sam, was his quote. In August of 1965, we're going to Spain, very, very briefly here. August 1965, we're going to Caracas, Spain. Juan and Isabel Dominguez, they are walking through the countryside from a nearby village to their home. They just bought a bunch of peaches. Taking them home, going to have peach pie and peach cobbler and uh, peach a la mode, which is just a peach. I'm just going to eat it. Or does that mean with ice cream? It doesn't matter. It doesn't. Yeah, no, it just means a peach. It doesn't matter, Jason. So I'll have to look that up later. I'll Wikipedia it later. They're walking with their bushels of peaches, imagining all the great peach flavored things they're about to have, peach schnapps. And they see something black walking near a countryside wall, like a garden wall. And then they hear a humming noise. They're like, what is going on? And that's when this creature stands up. Seven feet tall, but it was opaque, gelatinous, just oozing and wet. But it had a humanoid form, but they could just see, they could just see it like throbbing as it moved around. And it turned towards them, and it had no face at all. And they could tell, though, that it was looking at them, and it began moving towards them across the countryside. They dropped their peaches and ran home, terrified of what they'd just seen. Now, if you were a gelatinous ooze monster, 
but you wanted to interact with people, you would need a disguise. If you didn't want to pulsate all over the place, you would find braces. You'd get some wood to make it so your legs didn't buckle so much. So you would have the appearance of a normal human being. You would basically build an exosuit made of materials you'd find on that planet to keep your form normal. If people are afraid that you don't have a face, make yourself a helmet. But that might be related. That might be the creature that's underneath the Sandown clown helmet. Something truly alien that makes people run away in fear. But I have another theory. There's, we've talked about it could be an alien, it could be a demon, it could be a spirit. It could be all three, it could be none of them, it could be something totally different. Because all of those theories have been bandied about. But what if it's something darker than that? People have a fear of clowns. It's one of the most popular fears. And it's one of those things that people can never really point to why they're afraid of it. There's been lots of theories from a cultural aspect because people use faces to determine intent. So when the faces are exaggerated, it's hard to determine intent. Cultural factors like serial killers dressing as clowns like John Wayne Gacy, horror movies. But none of these really account for the the deep-seated fear. But what if people aren't petrified of clowns? But when they see a clown, they're reminded of something alien. When someone sees a clown and they're terrified, they're not necessarily terrified of the clown. What if they're terrified at something the clown reminds them of? Not a horror movie, not a serial killer, not a nightmare, but something real. What if we cross-referenced people who have been abducted by aliens, experienced lost time, and whether or not they have a fear of clowns? But they don't know why they have a fear of clowns. They've been afraid of clowns since they were eight. They don't know why. But then when you look into it, they did have that weird time where they woke up in their backyard. Can never figure out how they got there. What if there is a connection between that? Because you're not really afraid of clowns. You're afraid of what clowns remind you of. Those people who took you away that night. And then wiped your memory clean. I don't believe those two kids sat in that house for a half hour and don't remember the details of the conversation. I don't believe it was just vague questions and answers because everything else is so detailed in that story. It's lost time. They're sitting in that house and then they leave. And when people ask what you talk about for that half hour, they're like, ah, just normal stuff. Because they don't remember. And so their brain has to create memories for it to fill in that gap of time. What happened to those kids in that house during that half hour? Was it just questions and answers, or was it something more alien, more dark? I think it would be very interesting to find out if those two kids now, as adults, are petrified whenever they see a clown. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. Bye.